0: You. Yeah. Yeah. prepare you for all of the above that i'm never letting get near you but still enough. give you every advantage i found couldn't find a better fit for them along with my crown huh. and since the baton was passed hopping down cause feeling's not an option and dad is not a noun not at all huh.
1: our
2: panel Here to my right, Mr. Malcolm X, Minister of the Temple of Islam No. 7 in New York City, and generally acknowledged to be the number 2 leader in the national black Muslim movement. Mr. C. Eric Lincoln, Professor of Social Philosophy at Clark College in Atlanta, and author of the new volume, The Black Muslims in America, the first serious scholarly study of this movement, and a book which has been called by the authoritative Gordon Alport, one of the best technical case studies in the whole literature of the social sciences. The distinguished American writer, Mr. James Baldwin, author of the novel, Go Tell It on the Mountain, and the book of commentary, Notes of a Native Son. And George S. Schuyler, associate editor of the powerful newspaper, The Pittsburgh Courier, and a man who has long enjoyed an international reputation as a journalist. Uh, Mr. X, would you like to comment?
3: Uh, yes, first though, I would like to point out that uh, We who are Muslims who follow the Honorable Elijah Muhammad don't accept the term Negro we stand uh, against that and uh, I would like to declare myself. I'm not the number two leader of the Muslim movement because we don't think of ourselves in that light uh, We have one God whose proper name is Allah. We have one leader and uh, who in America here. Uh, is the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. We are one people, and we have one aim, and that's the upliftment and the betterment of our people here in America who are called Negroes, and uh, where the objectives and the program of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad differs perhaps from uh, the objectives and the programs and methods of these uh, other groups that represent the so-called Negro. Uh, most of the other groups their their method of operation has a tendency to lead us to believe that it'll take us another thousand years if we follow their tactic, uh, whereas we who are Muslims we're not willing to wait another hundred years we well now uh,
2: in this uplift of the black man and unwilling to wait,
3: what specifically do you want to do uh, number one, the honorable I think it should be pointed out clearly that as Muslims, we are not a political group, nor are we a civic group but rather we are a religious group. When I say that we're not a political group, uh, I'm letting it's, it's being made plain there that uh, we are not relying on the politicians for a political solution because uh, experience has taught us that in the past the politicians have promised but never delivered. And if we rely on a politician, we feel we're going right around in circles like our people have been doing here in America a hundred years since Lincoln issued the so- so-called Emancipation proclamation. Well, not
2: relying on politicians, Mr. X, is it not correct that the Muslims seek to completely separate the black and the white man in America and to win and establish for the Negro their own homeland in several states of America?
3: So Still, That's religion with us. With if, it, if it was a religion for Moses uh, 4,000 years ago to be missioned by God to separate the slaves in that day... From the slave master of that day complete separation not integration and still the uh, Christians and Jews both today regard Moses not as a politician but as a religious leader and a religious man motivated by uh, motivated uh, by religion completely Uh, we feel that what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is doing here in America today in demanding a complete separation of this slave from his slave master and as Moses asked for a, a land of his own flowing with milk and honey the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is likewise asking for a land for us ...flowing with the sweet milk and honey of freedom, justice, and equality... Well, excepting, accepting uh, as Mr. Scholar... Uh, yes. uh, just
1: wait a minute now. Uh, 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 at the risk of uh, going into politics, I would like to know how any group in the United States... ...is going to separate part of the United States for them to live in... ...without having something to do with politics. Do you plan to do this through warfare?
3: Uh, sir, I don't think that it's necessary to bring about any warfare... If uh, if the slave, ex-slave in America, has to go to war with his former slave master to get what is his by right, then it's a, that in itself is a con- condemnation of the former slave master. If Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation a hundred years ago, which means we're supposed to be free, we're supposed to be citizens, we're supposed to be protected by the Constitution that we fight and die for, and yet at the same time today the so called Negro is knocking at the White House door still begging his master to pass legislation that will give him recognition or pr- a protection by the Constitution that he is supposed that is uh, supposed to represent him. I think sir, that uh, uh, the man who is depriving him of these rights cannot open up his mouth and uh, say that it would be war to, it would be wrong to go to war. Against him to get these things. gentlemen
2: before we go further into techniques. If you will excuse me, excuse me, Mr Scholar I would still like to get out here the full program of the Muslim religion in America uh, We now have the desire for a separate grouping uh, In some states of America. Mr. Baldwin would you comment on your understanding of other purposes of
4: the movement? It's very difficult to talk about um, Talk about it in these terms. I think I think that the power the Muslim movement is involved with power, and um, I, I know about power, but it's involved also with morality and identity. And this is the argument I have with Mr. X. Um, when Malcolm X says that um, actually, actually he's got a very good thing going for him, the Muslim movement does, because after all, what they are asking for is what the country is also on the record been asking for. A total separation of the races is what Mississippi wants, and Georgia wants, and on the basis of the record, what the country wants. Now, it isn't what I want. Pardon me, doesn't Mr. X and the Muslim movement call for the
2: separation of the races by having the Negroes all in certain states of America? Yes.
4: Which is different from
2: what the Mississippians want.
4: Well, What the Mississippians want is to have, or have the Negro separated while still working while for still them. In, you know, the in the same state. In the same state. Yes. You know. Well This is why. This is why. This is why the one the one is talking really about the nature of power, and I think one's got to make this clear. What the Mississippians have or think they have is power. What the Negro, what the Muslim movement wants is power, and I don't think that we can talk about it unless we're aware of this distinction, because of, the, of this reality. Mm-hmm. Because again, what the Muslim movement is doing is simply taking the, the, uh, the equipment or the history, really, of white people among, with Negroes and turning it against white people. Now, in this country today and, and yesterday, it is, it is terribly difficult to, um, to believe American, Americans have never proven that they really consider Negroes to be men. Now, from my point of view, this has done more to destroy white men in this country than it has done quite apart from all the things we know about, the oppression and the ghettos and the lynchings and so forth. It has done much more to destroy the country than it has done to destroy Negroes. What I'm suing for, what I, what I myself personally am suing for, is not a separation of the races. I don't believe in the first place in races. And especially in this country, again, one is not in the situation of the Congolese fighting the Belgians. One is in the situation, whether white men or black men want to admit it of fighting one's brothers and one's ancestors. And this is a reality which no matter how hidden will sooner or later come to light. It, when one takes the road to power, it seems to me, that the white world proves this. One ends up where the white world is. What has happened in the country since World War II has not been because white people have suddenly changed their minds or become more generous or any of those things. What has happened is the power is beginning to shift. My concern is what will happen, what will happen when I, a Negro, no longer have you as my oppressor, but I'm responsible, altogether responsible, for what is happening to me and what, I, what kind of world I want. Now, I don't want to see the history of Europe, history of the Western nations, repeated for another thousand years with a shoe on the other foot. The handicap one has in talking in this way is that there is no way to, to use the record the American record, or the record of the Western nations to prove this point. All the evidence really is on the side of the Muslim movement. What one can quarrel about and must quarrel about is the issue and where this will lead and what this means in terms of human beings who are finally neither white nor black. Well now, staying
2: on that issue, if I may, and establishing here in a way that we can all agree upon how the Muslim intends to solve that issue, is it not correct that he stands not only the separate for the separation of the races in separate states, but is opposed to integrations, opposed to the sit-down movement and the
3: sit-in movement at the present time? Is that correct? with whites in Georgia integration, we consider that token integration, and this is what Thurgood Marshall points out as actually a failure uh, in the in the, on the part of the government to back this integration that they say will uh, make. Uh, Mr. Scala, yes.
1: Well, there are two things here with which I differ uh, violently. One is that all the evidence is on the side of the Muslim movement uh, that has been justification for this campaign of hate against uh, white people. Now, uh, I would like to offer that these 18 million-some-odd Negroes that you're talking about in the United States are the healthiest, the wealthiest, Had the most property, the best educated, and the best informed group of Negroes in the world, and that includes all those in the Muslim countries. Now, uh, we ought to get that thing straight. Uh, This is a matter of record. You don't have to no guesswork about it. And the next thing is, where is is there anything in the Constitution or in anything that Lincoln said or wrote uh, that says that a group has a right to part of the United States to take it off by itself? I thought that issue was settled 100 years ago. I'd like to respond to one of the remarks made
5: by Mr. Scala. In researching the black Muslim movement and talking with hundreds of people across the country, one of the things that I found consistently was the fact that since Negroes in this country are among the best educated uh, non-white people in the world, since they have the leisure time to some extent to read and to study, And since they live in a society where there are all of these plus values available to the white man, I found that this is one of the things that is most productive of the kind of anxiety that makes for a Muslim movement. For example, we found that uh, the fact that the Negro is so well educated produces a, a kind of chafing at the bit because he cannot be a full-class citizen in terms of his education and in terms of his preparation. We find that uh, with the emergence of black states in Africa and other non-white peoples uh, in Asia and other parts of the world, that the American Negro has a sort of sinking feeling that if he isn't careful, he might be the last person in the world to attain the kind of status that would be equal with his education and his preparation. It is upon this kind of anxiety that the black Muslim movement feeds. Mr. Lincoln, pardon me, Mr. Mr. Scholar, before
2: we argue the point, the first thing I think we should do is to get clear what the Muslims stand for. Now, Mr. Lincoln, you were explaining why people turn to the Muslim movement, which is important, but as I understand reading your book, you say flatly, the black Muslims are emphatically opposed to passive resistance, as expressed by Martin Luther King. Or another quote, Muslims have only contempt for the Negro sit-in movement. Now, Mr. X... Is that correct or is it not correct?
3: Uh, America itself is opposed to passive resistance. They didn't, uh, America has never, when the Japanese uh, uh, attacked Pearl Harbor, America didn't resort to passive resistance. Pardon me, I'm not talking about
2: America at the moment. I'm Uh, talking about you, Mr.
3: uh, X, and your movement. Yes, sir. I I want to clarify that because when they refer to us as uh, non-passive, they make it look like we're committing a crime to be non-passive. In this uh in this No, uh, I'm
2: simply asking, is Mr. Lincoln, our scholar on this subject, wrong or right when he says that you and your movement have only contempt for the Negro sit in movement?
3: Uh we have never voiced any contempt for the Sigro for the uh Negro so called Negro Sit in movement, uh because we don't voice contempt for movements. But if uh, the then I use this, the
2: phrase emphatically opposed, are you emphatically opposed?
3: Uh we are opposed to Forcing our way into a white restaurant where we are not wanted and forcing that man to serve us We are opposed to that while the Honorable Elijah Muhammad who was our religious leader and teacher teaches us that it would be uh, Wiser for the black people of America Instead of begging the white man for what he has and forcing themselves upon him to try and get something for ourselves And uh, if I for instance sir if I force my way into a restaurant in Georgia and force the white man to serve me I would be insane to let him go back in his kitchen and prepare my food, and then I sit down there and eat it after he's prepared Mr. it out X, of my sight.
2: Perhaps I am being stupid, but it seems to me you are not answering my question. Well, what is uh, your question? My question is... Maybe is I'm Mr. not giving Lincoln, you the answer
3: that you want, the way you Lincoln want it. Is Mr.
2: Lincoln correct when he says that you and your movement are emphatically opposed to the sit-in movement?
3: I say this, we are emphatically opposed to the methods... How about the objectives? If you, the objective want, an, you is, want an integrated sir, society, if an objective is to sit down in another man's restaurant and drink a cup of coffee, when you don't yet have a restaurant of your own, then we have to be against that type of objective because after that Negro comes out of that restaurant having drunk the coffee, where will he work? Where is his job?
2: Now, you are opposed to the means, you say, and I gather you're also opposed to the end because you are opposed to an integrated
3: society. Is that correct? The uh, sit-in movement to us represents the uh, intense degree of dissatisfaction that exists among the new generation of Negro and so-called Negro in America. Uh, As such, it is important because it shows that the present generation of students have lost their fear of the white man that was in the parent. Uh, Twenty years ago, the average so-called Negro in America, if he resented Jim Crow or... or, uh, uh, se- uh, segregation he would only manifest that resentment to the degree that he thought the white man would allow him to Or to the degree he thought that he thought he could do it without co- without offending the white man But gentlemen,
2: the- I have taken too much of the tables
4: time. Mr. Baldwin. I think I must say that the um, This argument about integration versus segregation is just as unreal um, in terms of the Muslim movement as it is in terms of the deep south or in terms of the country in fact one of the things in the record is that this has been an integrated country out, in spite of the fact that it, uh, it's been illegal or, or sub rosa. Integration is not something new. Again, we're not arguing about the aim of the sit-in movement is not to get a cup of coffee. It is not, it's not even to force oneself into the white restaurants when it is not wanted. It seems to me that it has any, any aim at all. The aim is to liberate this country. And I mean, when I say this country, I mean both blacks and whites.
2: Mr. Baldwin, now you confuse me. One can have two aims in life if one is a Negro. One can be to integrate white and black society and make it one society. The other can be to create two separate societies, one all white and one all black. If I understand Mr. Lincoln's scholarly study of the black Muslim movement, it is for The division into an all-white and all-black society. I I would
1: like to say that another thing that the Muslim movement stands for, and with which I'm in complete agreement, is uh, the greater interest in the Negroes acquiring an economic stake in this civilization. Also, in the fine work of rehabilitation they've done in some of their uh, uh, young members who have been juvenile delinquents and criminals, and they've come out, and by virtue of the teaching they received, uh, they've received, uh, they've changed their way of life. Now, that's been done by other movements. The uh, Muslim movement has no monopoly on it, but they have done it, and you have to give uh, uh, credit uh, for that. And so the, there is this economic problem. Yes. And uh, there's also the problem. Of Pardon me, Mr. Scott, but to clarify the economic
2: program, would you would you add whether you believe that the black Muslim movement
1: uh, wants the economic uplift of the Negro or wants two separate economies? Well, I don't know. They may want two separate economies, but they are interested in economic uplift of the Negro, and I think that they deserve great uh, credit for that. Mr. Lincoln, would
2: you answer that question, please, so we can get it clear?
1: My experience has been, in
5: uh, talking with the Muslim leaders about the country, that perhaps the separate economy for which the Muslims seem to be working uh, is a means to an end. Uh, Whether the ultimate end is a reintegrated society, I doubt rather much, but nevertheless, the Muslims seem to feel that uh, in our social structure as it now stands, that it is highly unlikely, if not altogether impossible, for them to uh, have any real economic gains. Therefore, as I interpret the movement, they prefer to withdraw from a society in which they cannot move upward to establish a society of their own in which uh, there will be black men at all levels. And then, as I understand the movement, to enter into the same kind of political negotiations with the United States as uh, exists between various other states uh, uh, at the present time. As separate entities. Yes, as separate entities, yes. What about this
2: issue of force, which we've got to get out here? One of the most discussed things about the black Muslim movement is the frequent charge that it is going to resort to force because it believes in black supremacy. And Mr. Malcolm, uh, Mr. X, you are always quoted as having said, there is no white man a Muslim can trust. Uh, Mr. Mohammed is always quoted as having said, we must take things into our own hands. We must return to the mosaic law of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. What does it matter if 10 million of us die? There will be 7 million of us left, and they will enjoy justice and freedom, etc., etc. It sounds like the language of force, is it?
3: Before you uh, ask me to clarify that, I wish you would allow me to comment on Mr. Lincoln's last statement concerning the separate economy. Go right ahead. Uh, Although, as you say, he studied it. By me being a Muslim myself, I think I can make it more clear than the scholar. Uh,
2: Some of us scholars doubt that proposition, (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Exman. Yes, well, I
3: don't doubt that myself. Uh, I think you'll agree with me, though, sir, that a separate economy already exists between the so-called Negro and the white man in America uh, because there is a certain category in which black people can get jobs and a certain category in which they can't get jobs. The economies are already separate. Uh, There's only so high that they can go in various business fields. Some business fields are shut out to them completely, even when a black man goes into business uh, and he is in the selling business, usually if he has a successful business, he's only a. Uh, every sale he makes is a resale, because he, in order to have a commodity or goods to sell, he has to buy it from a white man or another white man, and uh, which means that no matter how large his store is, still all of the goods that are being sold are being sold actually uh, for the white man because the black man who's in business is not a producer. He doesn't produce that which he sells. Now, we who follow the Honorable Elijah Muhammad are taught that the black man, even though he goes into business, will still be a dependent person economically because he must produce. As long as the white man is the producer, uh, then the white man is setting the price for the goods that the black man has to sell in his own neighborhood, usually, When a black man goes into business, he doesn't go into business in a white neighborhood. He goes into business in a black neighborhood. And since he can only buy his goods from a wholesaler who is white, who gets it from the producer who is also white, he has to come back into his neighborhood and jack the prices up to get back the money from the, uh, that the white man has already taken away but from this him. This is your
2: explanation. I'm of why, explaining it yeah. clear
3: so that it yeah. won't be uh, misunderstood. That's so, uh, Mr. Muhammad teaches us that in order for us to be economically independent, we have to have some land where we can set up our own factories and be producers, just like the white man is a producer uh, for his kind. Mr. Scholar, you seem unhappy.
1: Well, of course, I'm unhappy because I want to get back to the field of reality. Uh, There's something like 200,000 Negro individual farmers in the United States. They raise cotton, corn, they sell milk uh, and all of that, but they're selling it to uh, white people, and uh, the white people would be very very hard put if they didn't have this cotton and corn and the meat and other things that Negro farmers raise uh, to buy from them. And so it seems to me that it's uh, inherent in trade that you buy and sell. Uh, Nobody's stopping the Negroes from either buying or selling in the United States. Many of them are doing uh, doing it all the time. And uh, I think it's a perversion of the fact uh, to uh, say... The Negro had no part in the economy. That's ridiculous. Uh, they must, there must be, have some part in it with 1,500,000 of them in labor unions uh, throughout the country and uh, some of them in the highest categories that I know of would be too long to list here. Now, if uh, Negroes uh, have been able to devise ways and means of getting more of these uh, jobs, uh, that is partially their own fault.
3: But, sir, even though they're in these labor unions, they're yet the last ones hired and the first ones fired.
1: Not necessarily. And the greater
3: percentage of the unemployed right now here in America, according to Secretary Goldberg's uh, statement, are the so-called Negroes, despite well, that, the fact that they belong to these unions and whatnot. That isn't
1: entirely due to the fact that they're Negroes.
3: Mr. I, Alvin,
4: I think there's something extremely misleading in trying to talk about the economy this way. In fact, as far as I can tell, the black, white, the black economy and the white economy are interdependent. And it's quite true that, that Negroes are the first to be fired and the last to be hired. This is, however, is nothing... This, these details are, are obscuring the point at the moment. My question here is, how? I think, it is, uh, I think we take it, for, take it for granted that the United States is not about to give uh, away six or ten states. Therefore, in one way or another, the only way this will be achieved is that they will not be able to hold on to them. Now, the question is, what happens then to the, this economy which Negroes have, I think you say, $20 million or $20 billion at their disposal? This will no longer be so if the system under which it's obtained no longer exists, which is the only way these states can be achieved. Then what will the economy be? What will be, what will be the future of these hypothetical states? What uh, will be their relationship not only to the, to the United States? Because by this time, as far as we can tell, there won't be anything resembling the United States as we know it now. It will be at least another country. It will be a very different country and, obviously, a much less powerful country. It will be a black American and a white know, American, won't it? Well, it is already on this continent. It's already well, pardon a black me, American, but there
2: will be American. the blacks all in some yes. states now, and the whites all yes. in others. Yes. Now, if
4: I, can, if I can yes. say one more thing, it seems to me this is, this, this is in the, somehow the hub, for me, the, the, the root of the irreality here. The illusion of white people in this country is that they are living in a white country. And I think that is a very dangerous illusion. You cannot have a white country with, with as many Negroes as we, as we have had in it all these years to say nothing of the effect on white people and the, and the interaction between white and black people of, of, of this terrible history. Uh, I think that the irreality here is involved with the same irreality on, on the white side of the fence. I think that before we can begin to talk about this or that any liberation can be hoped for, one has got to really face the facts of what really happened. I know about the oppression, the lynchings and so forth. That is only what I know about the situation now. I'm, I'm not trying to minimize this. But this is not all that happened. This is not all that happened. A great many other things happened too. A great many other things were achieved, and whether or not this I'm not talking about white goodwill. But the point is that history is also immoral, just as immoral as power is. But what history has produced in terms of one's own personality and in terms of the present facts has has to be dealt with. I don't see that one is for example, one hasn't got to accuse the Muslim movement of being a hate movement. You know, but I do realize. From my own vantage point, I'm a boy from Harlem too, how desperately and how deeply Negroes hate white people. Now, white people don't want to know this and, protect and spend, have spent all of my lifetime anyway protecting themselves against this knowledge. Negroes do not tell them this either. Now, Mr. Baldwin, what I'm trying to find out is
2: whether the Muslim movement does hate me or not and whether it proposes to use force to satisfy
4: its hatred. It now, a, I don't seem to be able to get any place no, in finding it out. No, it is not important to know whether the Muslim I'll, movement.
0: I'll clear that
4: up. It's okay. not important to know whether the Muslim movement hates you or not. That is not, yeah. that is not at all the question. They may or they may not. That's irrelevant. But the, but the point is that most Negroes, most black people, most black people do not trust white people and most Negroes hate white people. And as long as this country, as the white people in this country, use all the fantastic evasions which they do use to protect themselves against this knowledge, there's one thing every white man in this country knows. He knows he wouldn't like to be black here, no matter what else he doesn't know. No. And all the liberal movements that I've ever been associated with, and all the liberals, almost all the liberals, and the exceptions only prove the rule, all the liberals that I've ever known are are working day and night. And not only only, uh, in terms of not letting a Negro live next door to them, but in terms of their own minds, their own consciences, their own uh, way of life, but to protect themselves against the crime which, for which they know they are responsible. Now, I cannot... This is, the, this is what is important about this, I think, and the future of the country depends on it. If I, as a black man, must be responsible every day of my life for something I did not do either, if I must pay for the, the history written in the color of my skin, so much white people... The great, the great pain about being a Negro here is that you can never get across to a white person the fact that you are, you are as human as he is, and that he is losing his humanity insofar as he denies you yours. This is a great advantage of the Muslim movement. It doesn't matter whether they hate you or not. One's got to deal with the record.
1: Um, well, I marvel sometime that uh, if, as is said by the Muslim speakers, that the white man has hated the Negro since he has been on earth, uh, why has the white man done so much uh, to help the Negro? Uh, for example, I noticed they abolished the slave trade in uh, Africa and from here to Africa, and I don't know when any of the Muslim states have done that. They've set up schools and clinics and hospitals and asylums and all the colleges throughout all black Africa. I don't know that anybody can point out one Muslim college or university south of Egypt and Morocco in Africa for the education of uh, black people. Now, these things have been done, and it doesn't seem to me that this is the action of people that hate a whole people. Uh, Of course there are white people who hate Negroes, but I don't see any reason or justification for exaggerating uh, the situation.
2: May I, Mr. Baldwin, pardon me, may I come back just for purposes of clarification to try to, to get Mr. X's comment on the statements? First, that his movement stands for black supremacy. Secondly, that it
3: intends to bring it about by the use of force. Uh, if by supremacy you mean rule, uh, the fact that the white man has been ruling for so long, uh, is which is white supremacy, and most of your white historians and your even your current politicians and diplomats admit that The trouble that the white world is in today is losing out all over the world. Britain used to rule an empire so large she bragged about the sun would never set on it. But today when the sun rises, you can't hardly find Britain. Mr. Axe, we're Uh, talking
2: about what you want to happen. And your leader is quoted in Mr. Lincoln's book as saying that he wants to use an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and he wants to end white rule in the U.S. He wants to overthrow it. use the quotation. If Mr. Lincoln said that,
3: Mr. Lincoln is 1,000% wrong. What does Uh, he mean by the the quotation
2: then? We must take things into our own hands. What does it matter if 10 million of us die? There will be 7 million of us left.
3: If you have men, uh, if you have uh, crimes, such as those that were committed against Emmett Till, and the government itself could go into Mississippi and find the exact culprits who committed the crime or the type of crime that was committed against Mac Parker, And again, the government agents go in there and find the culprits who were guilty of murdering Mac Parker and then turn around and and the government admit that it is not able to bring those uh, murderers to justice, I think that it would be insane on the part of any man... To uh, deny the family of Mac Parker or the family of Emmett Till the right to come together and defend themselves, since the government admits that it can't, it is helpless to defend them.
2: I take uh, that to be your justification no. of the use uh, of violence if, by if, Negroes. If,
3: is if right? uh, America is justified in retaliating in retaliating against Japan when Japan strikes her, or retaliating against Germany when Germany strikes her, or retaliating against any other country to defend herself from attack. I think that America has reached the point of insanity to think that the world would look upon the black people here in America as being wrong if they took a stand to defend themselves against the crime that the white man is committing against us here day and night
1: I don't see now, why you don't answer the man's question are you for force or are you against a uh, force if you're for force and the use of force then that's sedition why don't you level on the thing instead of curving all is it wait oh, wait Woods, a moment. no uh, uh, I didn't come you the you can't
3: question. put words I in my mouth I mean, know. I know started. Started. <laughs> have time. Uh, but I would like I want to get that point right there straight since it it is Islam and the Muslims who are being discussed here and it is Islam and the Muslims who are uh, under fire I think that it is only right Uh, to expect me to give, to expect me to give you my answer, not someone else's answer, because this is what primarily has been done here in America. Uh, everyone else speaks for the Muslims, and they're not allowed to speak for themselves. Now, you don't put a yes and no answer today in the mouth of any black man, other perhaps than Mr. Scott. Nope, Nobody's uh,
1: uh, speaking. That's a Are You me. correct.
3: Pardon me, Mr. Mr.
2: Mr. Mr. Lincoln. Would you like to comment on this or any related point as to what the real program is? Is it a program of force or not?
5: From what I have been able to determine, the Muslims are very careful not to um, talk about the use of force. Now, in the early days of of my research on the movement, uh, it was stated among Muslims that they looked forward to a sort of day of Armageddon that was to take place around 1970, when the white man in America would be overthrown. And when the black man would come into what was considered to be. I challenge this, and I think
3: you're a thousand percent. Pardon me,
5: Mr. X. Let him finish. Then you can comment on it. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, Mr. X, uh, it is true that the Muslims have avoided, as I said, uh, any um, direct reference to the use of force. And in more recent times, the Muslims have tended to say that Allah Himself. Am I correct? No, again?
3: you're wrong in the fr- in the first part, and you're right in the last part. We have the Honorable Elijah Muhammad has never taught us that we ourselves are going to fight the white man, uh, but he has taught us that there will come a day when God will destroy evil from the face of this earth. God will do it. He has never. Proof of the matter is we never carry arms. We're probably the only black group in America as large as we are who can absolutely say at a meeting that we have that not one man in that audience has arms in his pocket or alcohol in his head. And I think that it's absurd to stand around and accuse the black Muslims of advocating violence when we've never been in the, during the entire 30 years that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad has been teaching here in America. We have never been involved in any aggressive acts against any white people. And any time their violence has occurred, and even the newspapers have to admit this, and the police. Whenever we've been involved in any violence, it has always been at a time when we ourselves were attacked. Because we 1,000% don't believe that a man should turn the other cheek when, when there is knots on his cheek already and the man is going to put some more knots on his cheek. We can't see that. Oh, well, gentlemen, before may, the may time months...
5: Yes, go ahead. May I respond to uh, Mr. X's statement? Uh, you talk about putting words in people's mouths. Now, I have pointed out very clearly uh, in my book that the Muslims do not initiate aggression. I have pointed out very clearly that they do not carry arms. I have pointed out clearly that they are taught not to initiate aggression and that they must not even have so much as a fingernail file in their pockets.
3: Correct. And always obey the law. Always obey the law. As Mr. A matter Lincoln, of fact, you're confusing me. It's you who wrote the description
1: finish, of the fruit
2: please. of Islam, the secret army, and said they received training in judo, military, and a, uh, military drill, and the use of knives and blackjacks. The fruit of Islam looks forward to playing a heroic role in the impending battle of Armageddon. Let me finish. Mr. Lincoln,
5: page 201. Let me finish. I said that they do not commit aggression. So far, what they're going to do in the future, nobody knows it's up to Muslims themselves. Uh,
3: where do um, the blackjacks and the knives come in with Muslims? Well, they, they search for them. I beg your pardon, Mr. Scott? They search for them. Everyone who comes into the mosque uh, that, are, that are set up here in America under the spiritual guidance of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is checked thoroughly because we're absolutely against any kind of aggression or weapons that one can use in aggression. Well, if there's such peace lovers, then why do you have to search
1: them? Uh, that's the question that comes uh, to my mind
3: mr schuyler uh the thing that i can't understand on this uh violence and hate business uh the rockwell this uh, so-called nazi who wanted to give a speech down in uh, in the village was a, was stoned by the jews and the jews were never accused of violence or hate he was stoned in boston by the jews and the jews never were accused of violence and hate he the man hadn't done anything but he wanted to make a speech yet time a muslim or a black man he doesn't have to be a muslim stands up here in America and mentions that it's time for him to try and defend himself, not from someone's doctrine, but from the actual violence that is committed against him, then that black man is accused of being violent. And uh, just because we remind uh, the public of the crimes that were committed against our people here in America during slavery, we're, we're accused of advocating a hate campaign. But right now, you turn on your television, your radio, and all of your press, and you'll see nothing on there about Eichmann and what the Germans did to the Jews A thousand years ago. And yet the Jews aren't accused of of, of carrying on a a, a, a hate campaign.
1: They actually talk at great length and monopolize a considerable amount of time. However, I would uh, like to say that one of the things that was in Mr. Lincoln's book, That intrigued me was the fact that uh, this Muslim movement is run as a kind of a dictatorship itself. There haven't been any elections. Uh, People are tried without uh, uh, having anything to say about it and uh, cast into the outer uh, limbo. Women are disubordinated and have no voice uh, within the movement. Now, uh, that didn't seem to me like something new in the world. It seemed to me to be pretty reactionary.
3: You wrote in the Pittsburgh Courier, Mr. Scholar, about the Muslim movement yourself on May the 30th, 1959, at which time you said, From what I have seen and heard about the program of the black Muslims in this country in the past few years, I conclude that there is much to commend it uh, to other sects and religious groups, many of... I Whom seems to be distressingly unwitting in their way.
1: I just said that you also Isn't pointed really well out that good? not
3: only do the Muslims believe in it, uh, meaning this economic progress, but they are doing it. They are not only preparing and serving their food, but they are growing it. This is what you wrote. You said that you also said, uh, we are alone in not doing this in, in regard to setting up economic enterprises for ourselves, so we are always rattling the tin, rattling the tin cup and begging for sucker
1: you, uh, uh, you see that's what you get for trying to be nice now uh, <laughs> i just told mr x here a little while ago that this was a part of the muslim movement which i commended very highly uh i don't you know i have to go back to what i wrote a year or so ago i said that this afternoon i say it again but uh, you haven't uh, dealt with the issue that I raised about the Muslim movement uh, being dictatorial itself. Uh,
3: now, sir, uh, if because we have unity...
1: Well, uh, if, are you are you? If, if, no, sir. If because we
3: have complete unity, and again the worst critics of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad give him credit for establishing better discipline and unity among his followers than has ever been established among any so-called Negroes in America, and uh, 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 any time there is unity in any country that is, uh, a po- that is that has a philosophy or a doctrine or an aim that's uh, in opposition. To the to the power uh, uh, existing
2: Mr. block Rex, Mr. Schuyler wants to come in, and we have to move on to another point. Mr. Schuyler, you want to yeah. drop this
1: point now? I don't think you men are going to agree. Well, of course, much. we'll never agree, <laughs> and we I won't drop it. But uh, I will not want to monopolize the time. Mr. Yeah. May Mr. I move, Mr. I Mr. Schuyler something. has May. made
3: an issue well, me, about about, about the our religion me, and Mr. Mr. about the Muslims being the, the one point. who create all this. Uh, uh, he, he made the point, and I think I want to clear it up. He has made an issue about our religion part me. the thing that X, it was I, I call you
2: to order here Mr <laughs> Schuyler has dropped the point so that we can move to something else I want to bring mr. Baldwin in here if I may because I've been very much interested in your articles in Harper's and the times and so Forth in which you explain the whole Negro mood part of which is expressed through the black Muslims as in part of reaction to world events particularly Africa uh, And this is a new Negro you say now in these terms uh it's it's quite interesting to me to read of the alleged connections uh, between the black Muslims and the Muslims in Africa, uh, and between the black Muslims and the Castro movement in Cuba. Uh, do you know anything about this?
4: No, I don't know anything about that in detail. But I um, I know nothing about the Muslim movement in Africa at all, so I can't talk about that. Well, of
2: course, it is making great
4: progress in Africa, yes, as you know. I know now, that. Do you see that. this
2: as a worldwide movement at all, which would appeal to the Negro?
4: Uh, well, can I put it? You no, know, it seems to me to be arguing in a way almost after the fact. What, If you're talking about power, it is very, very clear that the Western nations, the white nations, that that that, that power is broken. Uh, the connection between Cuba and American Negroes I can see very well, because uh, the way that the United States' role in Cuba, and especially the events of the last few weeks, the last few months, are exactly analogous, in the mind of any Negro living in this country, to the situation he finds himself in here. Now, the... Again, I have to come back to, this, to this, um, this point. We are really talking about power, and we cannot argue with the Muslim movement in those terms because, I repeat this, they're only imitating. They're really, they're simply doing the same thing that the white world has done for all these years. Now that happens to be my objection to the Muslim movement. It seems to me that what, what we in this country do not know and have not faced is that we can very well isolate ourselves on this continent because the world is no longer white, at all we do not know what to do this in the first place when we're talking about i i think the malcolm mr Mer, mr x and um and i don't agree entirely agree with mr schuyler either or the, or the white or white americans i don't know what white men have in the first place which is so desirable i don't know what is why it's so important to be white anymore it seems to me the civilization which we are now witnessing in a way if not the end of, the great transformation of, can only be saved by us in this country if we're willing to do something which we have not done.
2: What would we do, Mr. Baldwin, in your opinion? Do you, do you favor I, the black Muslim program, or do you favor no. the program of, let us say, the NAACP? Well, I am uh, trying to get this I way. think
4: the NAACP program is probably outmoded because... If when you have a situation where the legality of a country is not, is in question, when one does not know what is legal anymore, one has got to revise the entire system. Well, the NAACP says what is legal is the integration
2: of American life. What is legal then? In, what is illegal then in Mississippi? The how, integration I mean, one, of American how one, life. How
4: does one achieve it then in Mississippi? The um, NAACP says you keep trying until you achieve. And Mr. X, re- <laughs> Mr. X responds, be not, be he not says real. he's impatient. Mr. X responds and <coughs> says
2: he will not wait a hundred years. Ah, and, he says something else. He says he doesn't want it either.
3: I say, wait a moment. Yeah. No, don't no. say what I say. I say that the black masses themselves in America are impatient. How do you know and it? that the white man does not know how the black masses think any more than he knew how the, the peasants in Cuba thought when he went in there and thought that they would rise up inside with him. Well, now and you
2: I, said the white man does not know and I'm I'm sure I don't know. He doesn't but know I sir. Notice, he I doesn't know
3: because they, he's not being told by his uh, so called negro advisors or the ones that he has set up as spokesmen for the for the so called negro. Well, well these
2: it, pardon me, these so called advisors I thought were men of some knowledge about the Negro community. They never Ralph live in the Bunch, Negro community. Ralph Bunch has denounced you as a totally escapist movement. Roy Wilkins, Executive Secretary of the NAACP, says you are preaching pure hatred. Thurgood Marshall called you so many, such violent names, I won't repeat May them I here. May I answer to each one and of those? Redmond Martin Luther King says you are simply one of the hate groups arising in our midst. I think all of that Wait a is...
3: moment, sir. I think that in uh, fairness, since these things that you read to your audience, television audience, as well as right here, uh, in order for you to be fair, I have to make my comment. Go ahead. Uh, uh, number one, these so called Negro leaders that made these statements, uh, it's contrary to our policy ever to attack anyone personally, only in defense. And I think that the, uh, e- each one that you read off, you couldn't find them in Harlem. The only time you ever see any one of those that are uh, made spokesman by you, parrots, ...by the white man. Uh, You never find them in Harlem, you find them at the Waldorf Historia. And so far as them knowing how the black man out there in the street thinks, all you have to do is do like John Griffin, this white man who posed as a Negro did for six weeks. He was a pseudo-Negro, and yet he comes back today and he's an expert on how a Negro is supposed to feel. And we've been black all of our lives, and when we step up and try and tell you how a black man who is born black feels, you think that we're haters or racist, or something of that sort. And I think Mr. that it's bringing Baldwin, injustice to, to the comment?
4: public. Yes, I'm from Harlem, too. I was born in those streets and raised in them, and I think I know something about it, too. Uh, what all, the, all of the condemnations from Mr. Bunch, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, are all far too simple. The challenge that this movement represents, and I think it's very misleading to think about it simply as a movement. The challenge this movement represents has nothing to do with what they call themselves, or even what, what their aims are. Whether Mr. X is willing to say what their aims are, or whether or not we will ever, we know. The challenges this, this movement represents is finally whether or not this country means to be what it says it is. Does it Are we free or are we not? And we can only decide this one way. If the country, if the country wants to be free, then it has got to do something to prove it. And as long as, as long as we're not willing to do it, then the Muslim movement will gain more and more and more ground, and not only here, but all over the world. If we, we means what we say, I think we should put the governor of Mississippi in jail, as opposed to putting people who harmless people who challenge House and American Activities Committee in jail. I think that it's.
2: I think that what has got to well, decide, Mr. Baldwin. I still don't have clear whether you favor the Black Muslim program or the NAACP program to well, I use cannot... two different approaches. But I
4: cannot. I, I will not answer it that way. I certainly don't favor the Black Muslim movement. you can not. No. But I can see great limits. You see why it came about.
2: You I see? can see very well why it came about. I, I think, can... well about. I think I can... Mr. Lincoln has explained in his book very
3: well why it yes, came I about. Yes. I, don't I don't think. I don't think that he has. I don't think that's any mystery. Very well. Why it came yeah. about, no. or how it uh, exists. Uh, for instance, in there where it was said in the book that I spent two hours in a secret conversation with Castro, that wasn't done on any research other than through a local New York paper uh, whom we are suing right now for $3 million for libel. For uh, uh, We have a $3 million libel suit. Against the New York paper for saying that I spent two hours in a secret conference with Castro. Now, if that's an authentic statement and that's representative of the other statements in the book, then I can't say that the book is representative
5: of Muslims. I must respond to that, Mr. X. It was from you yourself. I think you're wrong. I am not wrong on this case. Uh, It was from you yourself and not from reading in any New York paper that I found that you had had an appointment which you kept. Was Mr. Castro. These words are from your mouth.
3: No, wait a minute now. I'll clarify that. Two of us, and I thank Allah that there were two, uh, in a conversation with you, explained about this uh, highly publicized incident with Castro. And we told you exactly how it came about, that I was representing the city of the the mayor's office and the police department and half of the civic groups in Harlem that uh, made it possible for me to, need to go up, the up there court on settle the that when We
2: have so only seven would, minutes left. I would like to say
1: that this particular sect or movement is just one of a succession of such movements uh, that had been in American life for the last three centuries. Among Negroes, they began uh, in the uh, around about 1815 uh, when the American colonization movement uh, began to grow, and uh, Negroes went to Sierra Leone, they went to Liberia, and since then these movements have been recurrent. On the eve of the Civil War, Major Martin R. Delaney had gone to the West Coast of Africa and signed treaties with African chiefs, uh, showing that he had uh, a considerable following, and this thought has been in people's minds for a long time. It isn't anything new. But, there's Mr. Scholar,
2: I need. take it to be Mr. Baldwin's point, and Mr. Lincoln's point in his book, that there is a new situation in the world. Mr. Uh, Baldwin, yes, I don't
4: think... I, must, I, I yes. think that it is, it is misleading to, to talk about, even Garvey, any of the, any of the movements which... which, which the which movement is, of the 20s yes, for the Yes, any, any of these movements, there's one great difference between them, if only one. There's, the difference is Africa. You know, this, 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 you this, makes a, this makes a great deal yeah. of difference. But I wanted, i really want to repeat this point. I think the only way to to to, to challenge this movement or to undercut it, undercut it, is to, for this country to do something it does not seem to be prepared to do, which is to become really overnight a radical country. When I say radical, I mean to really re-examine and overhaul the entire social fabric. To ask everyone in this country should ask himself why it's so important to be white and what they will lose if they admit to themselves, because admit to themselves that I'm not. I've, I personally, speaking only now for myself, you know, I cannot imagine anything that this country can offer me that I any longer want. And this is, and what has happened to me, it seems to me, has happened to in, every Negro in this country. And the only way this can be redeemed and we can prevent, as I, as I say, a reversal, a, a, rep- a repetition of this history with the roles reversed, is to decide and to decide right now that this country, either everyone in this country is free, either I'm either I'm a man, or I am not. And it's up to the country, it is up to the country to decide it. It is not really, it is not really any longer up to me. It Mr. Is Lincoln, I don't
5: think you agree with that from reading your book. Well, I certainly agree with it in part. Uh, whether it is the black Muslim movement, or whether it's the NAACP, whether it's the sit-ins, or whether it's the Southern, lead, Southern Christian Leadership Conference under Mr. King, one of the objectives is certainly uh, identical to all of these uh, various expressions, and that is the essential freedom and the dignification of the Negro. Now, whether he goes about it in the way of the Muslims or whether he goes about it in some other way, uh, I believe that this has to come about in this country, and it has to come uh, rather soon. This I do say uh, in my book. This country cannot continue to exist uh, black and white. Either we're going to have to be Americans or we're going to continue to be played with all kinds of organizations. If the black Muslims did not exist, then some other group would exist in their place to fill this vacuum.
2: Mr. Schuyler, I think you disagree even more sharply with Mr. Baldwin. Okay.
1: Well, I just simply think that uh, there's a lot of wishful thinking in many of these uh, uh, statements. I see no statistical evidence of all this. I've been all over the country. I don't know if the mass of Negroes are panting to join the black Muslims, uh, just like they weren't panting to join Garvey. There are certain elements that will, uh, because you have all kinds of people in any group. The Negro group is like any other group. You have everything uh, in it and there's never going to be any unity of all the Negroes, and I think it would be a catastrophe if it were. Perhaps, there, was a Lincoln, yes.
5: Perhaps there will never be a uh, complete unanimity among Negroes. It would be uh, most anomalous if, if they this should come about. But there is, I think, with Mr. Baldwin... A sharpening of the Negro mood, uh, a kind of insistence that he must—pardon me, Mr. Be free. I want Mr.
2: X to have a word here before we have to close. Just a just a word. Yes,
3: uh, I don't think that all of the Muslims who follow Mr. Muhammad read the book. Uh, that is, the, those the leaders, and we actually don't think that it rightly represents us. And uh, Mr. Muhammad's aim is this: his is he was uh, raised by God to separate the black man in America from the white man because the white man will not give us freedom, justice, and equality on his own. And he also teaches us that if if, uh, white America can't give the black man in America complete recognition as a human being immediately right here, then we have to separate and God will give it to us. And he also teaches us that all of the trouble that America is having, just like Pharaoh had trouble in the Bible because he mistreated the slaves, Every trouble, political sorry, and otherwise. I have
2: the cutoff signal. <laughs> I'm sorry. For this discussion, thank you, Mr. Yes, X, Mr. Eric Lincoln, Mr. James Baldwin, and Mr. George Schaller. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. No, ladies and gentlemen. No, ladies and gentlemen. No, ladies and gentlemen. No, ladies,
0: ladies and. So, for you. Yeah. Yeah.